It would take more than a bloody Nile and the multitude of fish that had died, the frogs, the lice, the flies, to soften the heart of Pharaoh. According to Numbers 33.4, God sent these plagues to execute judgments upon the gods of Egypt. You're looking too far for that need you have inside. You're on a big merry-go-round and it's taking you for a ride. You've got to let go and let go. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Tonight we're looking at Exodus chapter 7 and 8. I gave an overall title to these two chapters, Who is Like the Lord? So it is in chapter 8. I titled this chapter, The Overall Study, Who is Like the Lord, this chapter, No One Like Our God. When Moses and Aaron asked to let Israel go, Pharaoh, he had originally said, Exodus 5, verse 2, Who is the Lord that I should obey him? I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. And through the ten plagues, and we've only had one plague at this point, God would reveal to Pharaoh and to the children of Egypt and the children of Israel that there is no one like the Lord our God. Egypt discovers that they have another stinking God. Verses 12 through 15, Then Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh, and Moses cried out to the Lord concerning the frogs which he had brought up against Pharaoh. So the Lord did according to the word of Moses. The frogs died out in the houses out of the courtyards, out of the fields. And they gathered them together in heaps, and the land stank. And so it was, Pharaoh hardened his heart and did not heed them as the Lord had said. Verse 15. Once again, the psalmist records this event in Psalm 105, verse 30. Their land abounded with frogs, even in the chambers of their kings. Once delivered, they forget to give praise to the one who has delivered them. Worse yet, they often repeat the cycle over again. Here's an interesting verse in Isaiah 26.10. Let grace be shown to the wicked, yet he will not learn righteousness. In the land of the uprightness, he will deal unjustly. He will not behold the majesty of the Lord. Let grace be shown to the wicked, but he won't learn righteousness. I mean, that's the desire that we would learn from our mistakes, that we would better ourselves, but there are people who will never learn. They'll never 
though they may cry out to God, never truly believe in the one who delivers them. So the third plague, dust into lice, and this takes us in verses 16 through 19. We pick up in verse 16 and 17. So the Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, stretch out your rod, strike the dust of the land, so that it may become lice throughout all the land of Egypt. And they did so. For Aaron stretched out his hand with the rod, struck the dust of the land, or the earth, and it became like lice on man and beast. All the dust of the land became lice throughout all the land of Egypt. I haven't been to Egypt. I've been to Israel. It's a very dry and arid area. And... uh, quite dusty. I assume, since they are in a similar region of our world, that Egypt itself is quite a dusty place. Imagine all the dust becoming lice. So God who formed man from the dust of the ground now makes lice come from the same ground. Now I was wondering about this in the attack of God against the gods of Egypt. And we think, did they worship lice? And so I looked up a Jewish author on this, and this is what he said. First, it must be noted that the plague of lice is not about the lice per se, but that the lice emerged from the dust. The earth, of course, should be a source of growth and fertility, But in this case, it was made by God to manufacture these unpleasant creatures. Once we acknowledge that the plague is related to the dust, then the proper place to look in Egyptian mythology is for a god of the dust, not gods resembling lice. And so Gib is that god, the god of the earth and growing things. And they worshiped everything. But also, one of the Bible commentators said regarding this, this plague may have also been an attack against the God of the desert, Set, the God of the desert. Also, it may have been a direct attack against the Egyptian priesthood. The priests prided themselves in purity with their frequent washings and shavings, the wearing of linen robes, and the Lord polluted their religionists with pesty insects. And again, Psalm 105.31, he spoke and there came lice in all their territory. Have you ever been chased out because of, in fact, I was just thinking of uh, taking the kids. I, I should do this more often. They're, now they're getting big. But I did take them fishing for a while when they were younger. And we went down to a place where I had fished on the Dust Plains River uh, when I was younger. And I remember that area and just a nice place. And I I didn't think about, you know, 20 or 30 years passing and it had become a forest. And at that time, it was infested with mosquitoes. And we basically got chased out of there. I mean, fishing's fine. But the mosquitoes were so bad, it's like, we're out of here. We can't handle this. And that's how it was for them. But here, the magicians could not 
do so. And the Bible tells us, now the magicians, verse 18, so worked with their enchantments to bring forth the lies, but they could not. So there were lice on man and beast. They could not copy this plague. And so the sorcerers came to Pharaoh and said, this is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart grew hard and he did not heed them just as the Lord had said. And so now the sorcerers realize that this is something beyond their capability. This is beyond any of the gods that they had worshipped. This, they said, is the finger of God. Paul wrote about the false gods, the so-called gods, as he named them in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, in verses 5 and 6, he said, For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we for him and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we live. Though there are many gods that people worship throughout this world, for us, Paul said, there is only one God, the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. And the fourth plague, our final plague for tonight, taking us through the end of chapter 8, verses 20 through 32, we find that God does something different here. He makes distinction between Israel and Egypt. Once Israel discovered that God could make distinction between uh, the children of Israel and the children of Egypt, I'm sure there's some of the Israelis that thought, Lord, couldn't you have done this earlier? Why do we have to have all the lice too? But he makes distinction here. And this is part of the teaching process as well probably for both the Egyptians and Israel themselves. And so we pick up in verses 20 through 23. And the Lord said to Moses, Rise early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh as he comes out to the water. Then say to him, Thus says the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. Or else, if you will not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies on you and your servants and on your people, and into your houses. And the houses of the Egyptians shall be full of swarms of flies, and also on the ground on which they stand. And in that day I will set apart the land of Goshen, in which my people dwell, and no swarms of flies shall be there, in order that you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the land. And I will make a difference between my people and your people tomorrow, this sign shall be. So the swarms of flies would be everywhere upon Pharaoh, upon his people, in their houses, on the ground. Yet with this fourth plague, God makes distinction between the Egyptians and the Israelites. No flies would be found swarming in the land of Goshen, where they had dwelt since the day that Joseph set them there over 430 years earlier. Now, it is true that in this life, believers and unbelievers, Jesus taught us that God allows the sun to shine upon evil and the good, allows the rain to fall upon the just and the unjust. Jesus taught us this 
in Matthew 6.45. Yet sometimes God makes clear distinction between his children and the children of the world. Malachi 3.18, God promised to do this. Then you shall discern between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. And so Pharaoh, he gives this compromise. He comes up with this idea how he could maybe keep control of Israel and get rid of these pesty plagues. And so the Lord did so. Verse 24, thick swarms of flies came into the house of Pharaoh, into his servants' houses, into the land, all the land of Egypt. The land was corrupted because of the swarms of flies. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, go sacrifice to your God in the land. That's the compromise. They were asking initially to go on a three-day journey, to go out of the land. Here, Pharaoh compromising, saying, sacrifice to your God in the land. And Moses said, verse 26, it is not right to do so, for we would be sacrificing the abomination of the Egyptians to the Lord our God. If we sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians before their eyes, they will, will they not stone us? We will go three days journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God as he commanded us. Now, don't take too much into this. Uh, Moses talking to Pharaoh here about their sacrifice. There's just no compromise for Moses. It's like we can't do it in the land, God said, to leave. And of course, Moses knew that they were never going to return. But this is what Pharaoh offered first, a compromise to allow the people to worship God, but to compromise in their worship of God. Yet the Bible is clear in 2 Corinthians 6.17, where Paul cries out, Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. God calls us out of this world, not to compromise with the world itself. And I, I tell you, I didn't write any of this in my notes, but... I think in the last two years, we've had numerous churches compromising in their worship of Jesus, giving in to the government saying, yeah, you can do this if, and so how are we going to worship the Lord? Are we going to compromise our worship? Because it's only going to get worse. It's not going to get easier. So we need to decide how we're going to stand. Moses and Aaron already knew they were going to not compromise what God had called them to do. So it was, verses 28 and 29, Pharaoh said, I will let you go that you may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness, only you shall not go very far. Another compromise, intercede for me. So not three days, go a day into the wilderness. Again, just another compromise. Then Moses said, Indeed, I am going out from you, and I will entreat the Lord that the swarms of flies may depart tomorrow from Pharaoh, from his servants, from his people. But let Pharaoh not deal deceitfully anymore in not letting the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. 
Thus, Pharaoh conceded to their demands, but he did ask, don't go very far. All right, if you're going to worship, limit the number of people that you have in your sanctuary and space out every 15 feet. All right, I could really go into this, but we know that we are being asked to compromise, right? So there is a a debate as to whether the Hebrew should be translated as flies and, and or beetles. Now we know that if you look at any Egyptian lore, that they are fascinated with beetles. They make brooches out of them. They wear them as costume jewelry and stuff. But maybe not flies or gnats, but possibly beetles. And there was a god that represented uh, the form of this beetle. It was, let's see if I can pronounce this, Kepri, an aspect of Ra, the sun god, his form was that represented of the beetle itself. So it wouldn't surprise me, flies and or beetle, because we know that beetles are connected to Egypt itself. But again, 105 verse 31 of Psalm, he spoke and there came swarms of flies in all their territory. So the psalmist repeating this event in, in one of the Psalms. So it was, verses 30 through 32, Moses went out from Pharaoh and treated the Lord. The Lord did according to the word of Moses. He removed the swarms of flies from Pharaoh, from his servants, from his people. Not one remained. But Pharaoh hardened his heart at this time also. Neither would he let the people go. Not one fly. I just thought as I was reading that of when flies get pesty around here, in a dry summertime where they're looking for moisture and they tend to start biting us to try to get it. Imagine if that's how it was for them. Not only flies, but flies that bite. Or beetles running around all over the ground, whatever it might be. Moses prayed. And the plague of flies retreated from the land of Egypt. Not one was found there. Yet, Still, Pharaoh hardened his heart, just as God said he would. It would take more than a rod turning into a snake, gobbling up a bunch of other rods that turned into a snake, and then turning back into a rod again. It would take more than a bloody Nile and the multitude of fish that had died, the frogs, the lice, the flies, to soften the heart of Pharaoh. According to Numbers 33.4, God sent these plagues to execute judgments upon the gods of Egypt. And soon Moses and Israel would proclaim regarding the Lord God. Pharaoh had asked, who is the Lord that I should uh, listen to him or obey him? But in Exodus 15.11, Israel would proclaim, who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, glorious in holiness, fearful in praise, doing wonders? Over 600 years later, King David would have one of these who is like the Lord moments when in 2 Samuel 7:22 he proclaimed, Therefore you are great, O Lord God, for there is none like you, nor is there any God beside you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. 
And God himself proclaimed to Isaiah in Isaiah 45, 5, I am the Lord and there is no other. There is no other God besides me. I will gird you though you have not known me. God said, I am the Lord and there is no other, no other God besides me. Paul would write to Timothy in 1 Timothy 2, 5 and 6, saying, there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Who is like the Lord? No one. There's only one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Jesus Christ. And only through Jesus and no other can we be saved. Let's go ahead and stand here at Calvary Chapel Lake Villa on Wednesday evenings. I've been going through the ABCs of salvation for over a year now. I just want to get it into our heads, get it into my head. You may never know. Well, you may need to recall this. I thought about many years ago when Pastor Greg Laurie came to the Chicagoland area and I was working the floor during the altar call on the second or third night there. I, Lily and I had worked each of the nights there. But on the final night, I don't know if a, a lot more people came down or they had a, a lot less uh, counselors that night. Suddenly I found myself surrounded by seven different people at one time. So I simply said to all seven, I'm going to talk to you about what it means to be saved. I'm going to go through the process with everyone. And then I would like to pray with each one of you individually. And I think there was one couple there as well. But so I, I kind of did a blanket. This is what it means to be saved. And then I ministered one-on-one. -on -one. You never know when God will uh, use you in that way. I'm so glad that I had enough knowledge stored up at that point to be able to do something like that. When I was in my 20s, I probably would have been, uh, somebody help? So I'm trying to help, trying to help us all. The A is for admit. Admit to God that you are sinners and ask for his forgiveness. In Romans 3.23, the Bible tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But 1 John 1.9 reminds us that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We have to admit to God that we are sinners. The B is for believe. And believe in the work that Jesus did upon the cross, his death, burial, resurrection, his ascension to the right hand of the Father, and receive that gift of salvation. Romans 5.8 tells us, but God demonstrates his own love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We have to believe in the work that Jesus did on the cross. The C is for confess. Confess your faith in Jesus and share that faith with others. For the Bible tells us in Romans 10 verses 9 and 10 that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Romans 10 13, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your work in our lives.
The hardening of Pharaoh's heart, Lord, it was something that you told Moses would happen, but we also find that Pharaoh was doing some of his own hardening of his own heart. And there was a point, Lord, where you would just make firm his decision. I pray for those, Lord, who have hardened hearts toward you, Lord. They're in a similar way, harden their heart against you like Pharaoh did, maybe not to the extreme. But if they don't turn to you at some point in their life, you will at one point make firm the condition of their heart. I pray, Lord, that those who would hear my voice would never get to that place, but would instead give their heart to you, Jesus, that they might be saved. I pray for those who are sick and suffering. I pray, Lord, that we would be lights to you and that we would let our light shine in this age that we find ourselves in. We ask in the name of Jesus, amen. I pray that God would bless you and keep you that his face would always shine upon you and give you peace. God bless. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into his image by the power of his Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646, That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.